For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I am very excited about today's show. I'll be joined by Paul Rand, and we're going to explore how to become highly recommended. But first, I've got a brand new discovery I want to share with you. After introducing a vegetarian diet to piranhas, look what Michael Stelzner discovered. Have you got some really awesome videos that you probably spent a lot of time putting together, scripting, creating, and you think they're just awesome? And maybe you have them up on YouTube or Vimeo, but you want to get some more exposure with them on Facebook. Well, this is exactly what we've been doing in preparation for Social Media Marketing World is we've created a number of different videos, uh, as a matter of fact, two or three different videos. And one of the things that we've been experimenting with is uploading these videos directly to Facebook. Now, in the past... If you wanted to drive more exposure to your video, it was all about getting the most amount of views on YouTube. And in the past, YouTube was highly optimized for Facebook. However, now, Facebook gives a lot of preferential treatment to those who upload video directly into Facebook. And I'm guessing you probably see this all the time. If you're like me, you see lots of videos that have been uploaded to Facebook directly in your newsfeed. And you can tell that they've been uploaded to Facebook because they often start playing automatically as you're scrolling through the newsfeed. So bottom line is if you're a marketer, and I know you are, if you want to get more views for your video on Facebook, then you really have to upload directly to Facebook. And like I said, one of the biggest benefits is the autoplay capability. Now we are seeing a lot of views by uploading directly into Facebook. As a matter of fact, I would venture to guess maybe five to 10 times more views on our videos that are uploaded directly to Facebook versus those where we just link to to YouTube or to Vimeo. And what's cool about uploading videos to Facebook is there's a lot of things that you can do that you can't do by just linking to YouTube. For example, you can tag all the people that are in the video. And by doing that, of course, they're going to um, show the video in their personal news feeds. You can add a location where the video was taken. And you also have the option to add a call to action at the very end of the video. And this is something that shows up over the top of the video. Typically, it's like a a link with some text. Now, a really cool thing that you can do that a lot of people don't think about is you can embed any post from Facebook to any particular page. What does this mean? This means as a ninja trick, you could take the Facebook video that you've had lots of interaction on, hopefully, And you can take that entire post 
and embed it directly onto a website. It's very easy to do. All you have to do is click on the date and time of the post, and it will pull up the particular post in question. And then off on the right, you're going to see a bunch of options. And one of them says embed post. It'll give you a piece of code, and you put that code in your blog, post, or your website. And all that interaction will now be uh, off of Facebook and somewhere else. But those that are logged into Facebook can watch Actually, whether they're logged in or not, they can watch the video, they can see the interaction, and it's really cool. So experiment a lot more with uploading video directly to Facebook, and I think you're going to get a lot better results. AI has been a massive disruptive force over the past year. That's why we're excited to announce our brand new show, Introducing AI Explored. It's a weekly show hosted by me, Michael Stelzner. If you want to understand how to put AI to work, this is the show for you. Each week, we'll dive deep into using AI to your advantage. We're talking the practical, tactical stuff that I know you're probably craving. Search for AI Explored on your favorite podcast app and happy listening. Helping you simplify your social safari. Here's this week's expert guide. I'm very excited to be joined today by Paul Rand. Paul is the CEO of the Zocalo Group, an agency that specializes in digital, social, and word-of-mouth marketing. He's also the chief digital officer at Ketchum and the former president of the Word-of-Mouth Marketing Association. Paul authored a great new book called Highly Recommended, Harnessing the Power of Social Media and Word-of-Mouth to Build Your Brand and Your Business. Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks. Great to be with you. So... Um, in the book, you talk about this awesome story about how you discovered a place called Stu Leonard's, which I've never heard of before. Can you, can you elaborate a little bit more on that story? I can. And, and uh, you wouldn't have heard of it, just like uh, me being in the Midwest and you being West Coast. This is a very East Coast supermarket chain. But I kind of tell the story in the book where I was putting things together and, and was off with some clients um, in uh, Connecticut. And over dinner, one of them said, well, I got to go uh, uh, to uh, Stu Leonard's tomorrow to end up uh, getting a pumpkin uh, for my kids. And I said, well, what's Stu Leonard's? And both of these women looked at me quite incredulously and said, how do you not know Stu Leonard's? And it's just the most wonderful this, that, or other. They went on for 10 minutes, and at the end of the day, they said, oh, and the prices are really good, too. And they went on and just did such marveling. And then actually, at the end of the conversation, they said, you know something? Before you go back to Chicago, we're going to pick up in the morning before our meeting because you just have to see this place to believe it. Huh. And I just laughed about what an incredible word-of-mouth recommendation this was. And I came back, and I was working on the book, actually did some research into Stu Leonard's and found out it's just one of these establishments that does such a great job connecting with people and building – really sociability, for lack of a better word, into their business from the get-go, that even a couple of women over dinner feel like it is their duty to educate me on all things Stu Leonard's. And when I think about a business or a brand that is highly recommended, that is just one of them. And of course, there are many others that fit the bill, but there's some pretty consistent things, particularly in the age of social, that companies can and should do, like Stu Leonard's, to take advantage of this. Okay, so they actually took you to the store, right? They took me to the store. What was your experience like? 
you know, it's it it was. Uh, I think I'd seen some descriptions calling it the Disneyland of dairy stores, when in actuality it's a supermarket. But you know, there's a petting zoo. There is great displays. The food is displayed beautifully. There's incredible sampling, and you just kind of feel like you're part of an experience. And everywhere you turn, um, there's something exciting going on there. And then in the middle, of course, is a very prominent rock with the slogan on it says. We live by two rules. Number one is the customer is always right, and if the number two is if the customer isn't right, go back and reread rule number one. Um, <laughs> and, and they just make a point of really, really engaging people. Um, and and you know, and I think for any business, whether you are a corner dry cleaner up to being a multinational, thinking through everything about your business and what. And how do you want people talking about your brand and what and how are you helping them do so is really kind of what the crux of this book um, that came out from McGraw-Hill. Well, it's really interesting if you think about it, because your story is you're sitting at dinner with two clients or friends and they say, hey, you got to check out this place. And they don't just say you got to check out this place. We're going to take you there in the morning. I mean, you talk about customer loyalty. <laughs> That's pretty extreme. Uh, it's remarkable. Well, you know, I think one of the things that, and you probably know this, that when people discover something and they think it's going to help somebody else, they really want to bring you along and expose you to it. And, and you know, we do find, by the way, that it's really influential. And over 90% of all consumers will tell you that the number one reason they bought a new product or a service is because someone they know recommended it to them. That number on the B2B front is about 84 85%. But clearly, people love sharing and, and helping people out by learning new things. And if we as a brand can figure out why somebody should recommend us, then the ability to actually help them do it is actually very strong. Well, you know, we live in this online world now where recommendations um, can be much more easily given, right? Instead of having to sit across from a meal, they can happen online in a pretty significant way. What, what's your what's your assessment or what's your message to marketers about why maybe, especially online recommendations are maybe even more important than they are face-to-face? Well, I, I actually don't know if I would tell you that they're more important, but I can tell you they dramatically influence. Or maybe they have a bigger reach? They have a bigger reach, and and I think what we see over and over again is that you know word of mouth has always been the holy grail of all marketers. But when social media came along, it kind of put that on steroids. Mm. And now, of course, when you say something positive about a brand and it can be shared with millions of people, that's a very compelling draw to get people pulled into something. And I think what we found out through just a whole bunch of research is even something as simple as liking a page on Facebook or sharing an article or other things are seen as implied recommendations of a brand. And so there's kind of this implied recommendation, like I just mentioned, and then there's those explicit recommendations, which is, boy, you got to go try this place because it's just fantastic. But over and over again, you see the power of when people do recommend a brand, even if it's a complete stranger, then other people will follow along if they think that advice is credible. Um, So from restaurant reviews to product reviews, on Amazon. We all do this every day. And if you're a brand, you have a very simple question as you start thinking about your social media strategy. It ought to be not just how am I out there, but how am I using this to make sure that people are talking about my brand and recommending it in the way that I really want them to do. Well, I I love the fact that you talked about like, you know, Yelp or TripAdvisor and and Amazon because it really does make a difference, right? I mean, like I know I use these services, like if I'm on Amazon and I'm about to buy two products and one has no reviews and one has 
many reviews, I'm going to go with the one that has many reviews, even if it's more expensive. And, yeah. you know, that's a pretty powerful thing. L- let's talk about kind of the underlying psychological principles at play here, um, or maybe whatever research you might have, you know, in, in your mind right now. What, why, what motivates us to make recommendations? What are the triggers? You know, it's, it's a great question. And, and there's a wonderful book um, that came out by a man called Robert Sheldani uh, a number of years ago about this, this, the science of influence. Mm. And over and over again, um, and the, there was this concept behind it he talked about in, in terms of being social proof. And the simple fact is that we as human beings try to take our cues from other people. And if we see other people telling us something is good or doing something or wanting something, then we start assuming that that is going to be something that's going to be beneficial to us. Um, but I think in the same breath, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons why people take recommendations and give recommendations. You know, and almost half of all people that we found in a survey actually said that the reason they make recommendations is because they found something great and they want to help that person discover that as well. Hmm. Um, and oftentimes over 90% of people actually say um, that they end up making a recommendation because they had a positive experience with that brand. Um, now, I'm going to tell you the other side of this equation um, is actually, you know, even more damaging, however, because 67% of all consumers tell you that if they see three or more negative reviews on a product, they will either not buy that product um, or completely ignore or completely ignore it and go on to another one, back to your comments of earlier. Right. So there's an incredible upside to getting this right, and there's an even greater downside to getting it wrong. Well, and for those that are interested... Um I pronounce his last name Cialdini, but Robert Cialdini's book is called Influence, Science, and Practice, and it's such a great book. I think it's, or it's definitely influence, and I think science and practice goes with it. But what I love about that book is it's based on a lot of interesting research that's been done in the psychology world. And funny enough, back when I was in college, I had to read that book, and I had no idea you know, that that book would be such an important book. And, and that guy has just done crazy seminal research. Um, you know, here's a question for you. Do you think that everyone is capable of a recommendation or do you think that some people are more inclined to recommend than others? I'm just curious what your thoughts are. You know, it's interesting and it comes in strange ways. Um, there are, there are very few people that will recommend, um, across a variety of categories. Um, more often what you see are people that have a degree of expertise or knowledge or passion in a certain area, and they really will recommend around it. You know, we all might say, boy, that was a fabulous restaurant and go. But on the other hand, there are certain people, if I said to you, Mike, um, I'm thinking about buying a card. Who of your friends should I talk to? I'm willing to bet you could pop up a name or two. Uh, boy, you ought to talk to Frank because he knows everything about cars. He's researched them. And, and I think one of the things that we can do today through social media and through targeting, as you know, is we can find people that have passions in certain areas. And this is one of the things that brands can do is if you really understand what you want your brand to stand for, not only the product benefits, but how it relates to people, you can start looking for people that have the biggest social influence and the biggest power to influence those folks simply by putting them in touch and giving them experience of dealing with that brand. Yeah, and I think I think if I'm not mistaken, when one of the Harry Potter movies came out, and I heard I don't remember where I heard the story, but the the producers of that movie identified like six or twelve Harry Potter fanatics, you know, people that just were you know blogging about it and just loved Harry Potter, and they let them see the movie first, and these people went. I guess they went crazy and just loved it so much, you know, and were promoting the heck out of it. And I mean, that can become an extremely powerful, influential marketing tool if it's used right, couldn't it? 
It is. And, and I think that, you know, what you consistently see is oftentimes I, you know, I have feeds going about word of mouth and I'd say maybe one out of 10 of them ends up calling it the holy grail of marketing. And, and I think in the world of social, um, it truly becomes that holy grail of marketing. And, and now, you know, what I oftentimes talk to folks about is, you know, we see a lot of dialogue these days about becoming a social business. And I think People can get their arms around a little bit about what that means to be a social business, but they really start getting their arms around it when you says, I want to be a highly recommended business. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't just mean in your marketing. It actually means in your human resources, in your recruiting, in your innovation, in your operations, in your customer service. If you are in a leadership position in your company, simply thinking, how do you want people to recommend your brand and then giving them the ability to do so and then making sure that you're monitoring and tracking against it, which is really in some ways kind of the idea of net promoter score, you start having dramatic improvements in your business because very few executives can sit down and simply say, well, here's my strategy. But if you say, tell me how you want people to talk about and recommend your brand, Usually they come up with something pretty quick, and then you actually start having to set up your business operations to deliver upon that. Talk to me about net promoter score for those who may not be familiar with what that means. Um, I think that uh, hopefully there's a lot of awareness around this, but another famous author, uh, Fred Reicheld, that was with Bain and Company, had put out a book called The Ultimate Question. And it's amazing that uh, actually for such a simple question, he built all the theory and enough to make a really compelling book out of it. But it's very simple. It's a matter of asking people, would you recommend this product or service to a friend? And if the answer is a nine or a 10, it ends up being a plus. If it's lower, you know, in the one or two or three range, it's a neutral. On the other hand, if it's, or rather it's a negative. Uh, on the other hand, if it's in the middle, it actually ends up being a neutral and it doesn't really end up counting. Mm. And so part of this is just simply making sure that you end up having more net promoters than you do detractors. But it's amazing how you can start determining brand health in terms of looking how a company is recommended and what they're talking about. Um, and, and there's even studies, and I referenced some in the book, where some researchers actually did looking at recommendations across a portfolio of equities and found those that were more highly recommended ended up outperforming others by 9 or 10 percent. So there's a lot that can be learned out of people that are talking about brands and why they're doing it and what they're saying. Well, I would imagine you could ask the question, would you recommend this you know, product or blog or podcast or company or whatever it is you're trying to get feedback on, do it on a, on a scale. And then I would imagine you could also ask why. And if they say why, then that could be some great ammunition for your marketing, couldn't it? It really is. And, you know, I think it, we're no longer even to tell you the truth on the period of having to do focus groups along those lines. We've done a lot of surveys and research here, even around things we call the recommendation index. And I'll give you an example that I put in the book. If I asked you out of hand, um, you know, what do you think is the most recommended coffee chain out there? What, what would you tell me? I'd probably say Starbucks. Okay. And a lot of people would. I can tell you that there's far greater volume of conversation about Starbucks than any other brand. But you can literally go and do a study and figure out by analysis, when people talk about a coffee chain, what characteristics do they most positively comment on and which do they most negatively comment on? And then you can actually start analyzing that. Believe it or not, Starbucks actually comes into the middle half or, or even a little below that. In our survey, which was done about a year ago, it was Caribou coffee that unquestionably seemed to be the most recommended brand online. Huh. Um, and when people were saying, boy, I really love getting coffee from here, 
the thing about Caribou really drove people to do that. Um, Starbucks is kind of um, other than you know the most recent flash, for example, around what's in pumpkin spice latte, is almost a very neutral brand. You know, you have you know a vast majority of people that use it in terms of conversation, but not openly advocating because they really love the product. What you really want to do is find out in a certain category why do people love to share it. Why do they not like to talk about it positively or make negative recommendations? And then if you decide what you want your brand to stand for, then you can dial up those things that you know people really recommend. Um, you know, the forward to this book was actually written by a woman by the name of Margot Georgiatis, who is the president emeritus of Google. And she ended up writing in there about the tight linkage also between social content and recommendations and search. And actually, out of the eight leading things that are driving search results today, seven of them or social content, which also gets back into this, boy, if you can really figure out the words of how you want people to talk about your brand, build it into your contact, get other people to talk about it and share it, not only to drive those recommendations, but you're also driving organic search results. This is awesome. So I guess one of the logical next questions would be, how do we as marketers um, encourage or, you know, get our fans or readers or, you know, whatever word you want to use to give us positive recommendations or recommendations at all. You know, I think that the biggest thing about it is really starting to get understanding. And, and, and it's, the, you know, part of one of the things that I kind of go and, and, and get into in the whole book is laying out kind of the six key steps. And, and maybe I can just share. Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Um, number one is this idea of developing a clear story about how you want people to talk about and recommend your brand. You know, we all know that the number of tools, as I was talking about, of figuring out, you know, you no longer have to tell people, you can show people what the conversations are. But for any brand, you know, Michael, if I was going to talk about your show, you know, you probably want to say on you have the most fascinating guests, they're articulate, they're current, whatever it is. Right. If you knew how you wanted to have people say that, then you would actually drive to build a product around that. Mm. Number two is this idea of you have to live your brand. And just like we were talking about with Stu Leonard's or whether you're a corner grocer or whatever the case is, you have to do things consistent with how you want to be recommended so that your business operations reflect that. You can't fake people out. And, and I'll make a big argument that social media and word of mouth has, has actually forced companies to be better companies because there is now a complete amount of transparency whether they want it or not. Um, number three is this idea of being human and transparent and living up to your mistakes quickly because every brand out there is going to do something wrong purposefully or not purposely and how they decide to address it is going to make sure that they maintain that goodwill. We've all heard the stories of you can build a reputation over 25 years and destroy it in 30 minutes. Um, and you really want to be on top of it to make sure that in this world that you're really managing your reputation from a positive and another. Hey, Paul, let me let me pause you there for a second. So sure. um, help me differentiate between living your brand and being human, if you wouldn't mind. You know, living your brand is this idea that everything that you do in your business should end up driving what and how you want people to talk about you. And so say, for example, that I am a brand that really is supposedly give a woman confidence. Then everything that I put out about my brand should be about women and confidence and then relate back to the product in some way or another. Gotcha. And then 
that brand ought to be living that every day. Uh, but say for another example that one day this brand does something um, and, and it messes up and it actually does something that might not be seen as contributing to women and their confidence and people are calling them on it. You know, the, the, what they have to do is come out and say, you know something, you're right and we didn't see it the way it was intended. We've had a big commitment to this. Um, we didn't be believe it was going to come across that way and that was the last of our intentions. Sorry, and here's what we're going to do to make sure we don't do that going forward. Awesome. Okay, so the first one was develop a clear story. The second one was live your brand. And the third one was be human and transparent. Live up to your mistakes. What's number four? Number four is this idea of staying engaging and interesting. Um, you know, I think we're all familiar with that, the, you know, the whole idea of, of the McKinsey purchase cycle these days. And, and you know, it's that idea that you want to, you know, be there before people, when they're researching a product or a service, you want to engage them at the time that they're buying. And you want to stay engaged with them actually after they've bought with you so that they're staying engaged, but they're also recommending. Mm. Um, so a brand can't simply in social media decide to be on for a quarter. You are here to build a connection, to build a relationship, and not just about your brand, but about something that is relevant to your brand and something that's going to be interesting to consumers. Um, I actually had uh, a meeting today with a, a, a restaurant organization that is very growing very prominently in the vegan space. And they are there living their brand, educating on veganism, talking about how food is coming from, and maybe 10% of the time they're going to be talking about their restaurants. But it's this idea of finding an area of, of commonality that you can connect with people on and do that about 90% of the time. And then that 10%, you have that freedom to actually find ways of sharing things about the product. But doing that over time and providing useful information is how you stay interesting and engaging. So this is really kind of a strong content marketing play here, right? It's about curating and providing value, whether it's your content or someone else's that your audience is interested in. And, uh, and to do it not just pre-sale, but to do it all the time, right? That's exactly right. And again, if you think about it from the, you know, the ongoing purchase cycle, you know, you want people engaged with you. And, and if you find those advocates and those fans, keep them engaged, give them new information, give them reasons to share and recommend. Um, and that's what really some really great brands are doing is they find ways of making those things happen. Awesome. What's the next one? The next one is to regularly evaluate and evolve, but you need to stay true to your core. Um, one of the things that I, I think in the world that we're all operating here is we are not in a set it and forget it world. We are not putting out an ad and letting it ride for a quarter or for a year and seeing how it goes. The marketing and type of engagement that we're talking about doing has to be almost done on a real-time basis. And, and we now have the tools, as you know, that you can actually figure out when people love to engage with you, what kind of content they like, what kind of content they share. You know, What about your product or your offerings intriguing them? What are they getting bored with? But this idea of really deciding what your core values are, but constantly evaluating and evolving them to make sure you're keeping sync with your audiences is really important important because it's almost like being in a relationship because it is being in a relationship. You need to be interesting and contributing and finding ways of adding value. That's a really good point. I talk about this a lot. If you are not, if you are not engaging, especially via social, then you're not going to know when your audience is losing interest. You're not going to know when their interests are changing. And then all of a sudden, 
you're wondering why your business is failing, right? That's exactly right. Chances are they're going to tell you long before you actually start seeing the numbers going down. You're going to start seeing complaints. You're going to start seeing feedback that's not as great. Um, I, I never cease to marvel that when you ask people there is a pit, their opinion and you're genuinely interested, they will oftentimes give it to you and do so constructively. Absolutely. So there, is, there, is there six steps? There, there there's a big six one, which is, you know, the first half of this book, highly recommended, is really focused on the marketing and, 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 and advertising PR side of what social media and word of mouth can do. The second part of the book is more like a business operations type of directive. And what I talk about in the second part is this idea of needing to structure your organization so that you are recommendable from the ground up. So then in your human resources, in your marketing, in your operations, in your customer service, in your R&D, you're constantly thinking about why somebody would recommend you and talk about you. You know, it's fascinating even on the human resources point of view. You know, statistics over and over show that somebody that comes into an organization from a referral or a recommendation stays 45% longer than somebody that comes in through general channels. Mm. And their likelihood of adapting to the organization and fitting in goes up almost to an equal percentage. Um, and so over and over again, you know, now you have sites like Glassdoor and others that a company has to really say, how do I want my prospective employees to think about me and look at me? What kind of people am I looking to attract? And that's the type of organization you start putting together and you find ways to even help your employees share that on the external world. Same things with being a great business partner or being open to innovation. So every function ought to have this capability of saying, um, we are going to focus on how we want people to talk about us and recommend us. And here's the role that you have in making this happen. Even if you think your job is just in finance, I'm here to tell you that you play a crucial role in how our different partners are going to recommend us to do business with. Wow. I mean, that, that is extremely fascinating. Now, um, curious if you could share an example, maybe other than just Stu Leonard's, and maybe if it's an online company, it doesn't have to be, but if you have one in the top of your mind, of somebody who seems to be doing all this right. Um, you know, I'd be negligent if I didn't at least throw out a client name or two. Okay, go for it. Um, you know, and I can and I can simply end up doing that, and maybe even just giving an example. Um, we do a lot of work with Nissan, for example, um, and I can even just give an example from a few months ago. But you know, there's a constant. You know, we are there driving for Nissan the idea um, of reliability, of innovation, um, and and really finding ways to keep people engaged. And I think Nissan increasingly is coming out with some remarkable products that are driving a lot of conversation. But a few months ago, our team was working and looking on Craigslist and actually saw some guy that was marketing a 16-year-old Nissan Altima um, and put together a very sexy new car video looking thing to, to drive a sale of this car. And he was asking $1,600 for it. And it was so campy and so fun that the team saw it and immediately contacted him, worked with the client and said, this is a great content opportunity. We'd like to buy this car and then and then drive conversation around it. I think so, I saw that video actually. Was this uh -huh. like a couple months ago or something like that? Yeah, it was a little longer than that. Okay. Um, but this was a brand that actually, you know, was quick to take a risk. We bought the car, you know, all of a sudden there were millions of people talking about this great video. They were talking about how reliable Nissans were, how much they are evolving and innovating. And then actually all this stuff turns into getting coverage all over the press all saying all these great things about what Nissan did in this example. 
but it was just this way of brands, you know, you don't plan um, for your content, but you can plan to be spontaneous. Um, and brands that really put together, they understand their audience, they understand their messages, they understand the content they want to share regularly, and then they actually have things in place to be really on top of new content that's coming out. Um, that becomes very compelling. You know, in the client we have, there's a fellow by the name of Eric Marks that just is a guy that, you know, is constantly looking to push the envelope and to really do unique and innovative things. And, and, and that's very compelling for a brand to be in that position. Awesome. Um, I want to talk about things that we can do after someone makes a purchase and in particular an online purchase, because it seems so obvious that after someone makes an online purchase that you could ask them to do something, you know, that might be uh, leading to a recommendation. Is there any particular things that you've seen uh, businesses doing online um, post sale to encourage recommendations? Yeah, I, I think you're going down a really great path here. And, you know, and the first thing is not to jump out of the box and to just say, would you write me a recommendation? But it really is a matter of making sure that people are satisfied with their purchases if they have any questions. Um, and then actually saying, boy, if you did have a good experience, we'd love it if you would share it. Hmm. Um, and, and people oftentimes are flattered to be asked and they will go out of their way to do so. Um, and then what really is incumbent upon the brand is then to acknowledge that and not just let it stay out there. And so I think back to your example of things that, um, you know, we talk about it here as kind of high-fiving your fans. Um, and, and brands ought to be in a constant position. If somebody is saying something nice about you, that you find a way of acknowledging them, thanking them, and 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 just encouraging them to be stay engaged with your brand. And the number of companies that do that is so small um, that you would be absolutely amazed. And then you'd be even more amazed when you see the feedback that comes out of doing it right. We do something. Uh, we do a physical conference every year called Social Media Marketing World. And typically, um, when people make the purchase decision, they're pretty excited about coming to the conference. And the second after um, they make the purchase, they're sent to a thank you page. And one of the first things on the page, it says, click here to tweet your excitement. And um, you click on it and it, it puts a tweet into the Twitter feed that says, I'm attending Social Media Marketing World with our hashtag in it. And um, a lot of people end up adding a little bit to it, like I'm super excited or I can't wait. And we, we aggregate all those into a little feed and we put them right on the sales page. And Love it. I got to tell you, that works like a charm. <laughs> well, you know, and 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 good for you. And and you're kind of eating your own cooking here, which is fantastic. Um, and and uh, and and I think you can you can do that just about any brand that's out there. Um, you know, oftentimes we talk about putting together something we even call uh, a recommendation hub, where you can put even little microsites together that aggregates reviews and good content about your brand, and it makes it very easy for people to find it. Again, back to that Robert Cialdini type information. If you see other people embracing, loving going to a conference, um, then you're more likely to adapt to it and go along with it as well. Well, I got to tell you, this has been really spectacular. And I think a lot of people listening right now are like, wow, we've just scratched the surface of this. But um, why don't you tell everyone where they can discover your book, Highly Recommended, which I highly recommend, and where they can discover more about you, Paul Rand. 
Thank you. Well, of course, you can find it on Amazon. Um, it's under highly recommended. And uh, fortunately, um, there's a lot of lovely reviews that are on there for the book and a lot of encouragement about um, really the practicality of this, but also I think some of the research that goes into it. Uh, and as you mentioned, um, I'm, I'm president and CEO of Zocalo Group, uh, Z-O-C-A-L-O, and we are a division of Omnicom um, and of Ketchum. Um, and, and, uh, and a lot of information is available on our website, um, along with a lot of research and other things that some of your listeners might find interesting as well. And I just want to say to everyone listening right now that this book is excellent. I do not say this a lot, but um, this is a very easy read. It's extremely well written, and I strongly recommend that you go out and check, check out this book, highly recommended. Paul, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for all of your positive comments. Well, I hope you got a lot out of that interview. I know I really, really enjoyed it. If there was anything that we talked about in today's show and you missed it, well, don't worry. We take all the notes for you because we know you're probably like I am out and about listening to the show. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 120 for episode 120. That'll get you directly to the show notes where you can also leave any comments. Also, never miss a future episode of this podcast. If you're new to the show and you're not already subscribing, it's free. Simply hit the subscribe button on whatever player you're using. And if you're a regular listener and you've not already done so, I'd love it if you consider giving me an interview. Uh, interview. Review. That's quite different, isn't it? <laughs> socialmediaexaminer.com slash iTunes or socialmediaexaminer.com slash Stitcher will allow you to give us a written rating and or a review. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. If you're like so many fellow marketers and creators and entrepreneurs, you're probably wondering, how do I put AI to work? Well, be sure to listen to the AI Explored podcast, a new show from Social Media Examiner, hosted by yours truly, Michael Stelzner. Again, check out the AI Explored podcast.